0: What is the secret to health and human flourishing, to living a life in the fullness of what you could be? What if this whole time, who you were meant to be was already within you, waiting to arise, waiting to expand? Each and every one of us is made to bloom, and each of us together can brighten the whole world. I'm Sarah Walters, and I welcome you to Bloom, Hi, friends. Welcome to the first official Bloom podcast, where we are asking the question What are the ingredients for human flourishing and development? How do we move towards our best selves? And what gets in the way of this process? And how do we utilize the challenges in life to actually fuel our growth? So, we're going to explore these questions as it relates to the many different various dimensions of being human whether it's in the dimension of kind of our emotional life or physical life, relational life, or spiritual life. Because all of these areas, they intersect with one another and they influence one another. So we'll take a holistic approach and discuss all of them at some point. But I am delighted to have you follow along in this journey of discovery. Now, for whatever reason, I decided to start a podcast in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle of a lot of socio-political unrest. So call it divine timing or call me a total nutbag. I'm definitely not sure which one it is, but I do know that I feel compelled to do it now. And I would be amiss if I didn't begin this podcast talking about fear. Because right now, there is a lot of fear pulsing through our collective veins. The coronavirus, the riots, the political division that we're experiencing, death. There's a lot to be afraid of right now. And so I hit the streets, and by streets, I mean people that I ran into during the day the other day and just started asking them, what was the one thing that they were most afraid of right now? Uh, Right now, I would be, I'm most scared of the unknown and not having control over uh, the unknown situation. Uh, I'm afraid that in the next 20 years, we might move towards more socialism in this country and everything I worked for until that point could be gone. So what's your biggest fear right now? For my kids' future. Okay, what in particular of your kid's future are you scared of? Okay, that's a big one. I have so many fears rolling around about my kid's future, but what will the world look like for them? What will um, humanity be like? Will there be goodness? Will there be kindness? So just what kind of world will they be facing as they make their way as adults? I would say fear of disappointment or fear of the past. I'm afraid of being alone forever. I would say that I would... I would be scared of looking back at this time and, and seeing that I didn't trust God through it and that I didn't um, learn through it and um, spent more time worrying about whatever the new normal is, um, if things are gonna go back, when this is all gonna be over, instead of taking advantage of the time to be closer to my wife and my family and my church. Um, because if you did, if you didn't do all that, then right. what, what Then happen? I would uh, come through like not, less healthy spiritually and physically, And uh, look back and think, man, I really should have just trusted God more through that. What are you most scared of? The future for my kids and what the world's going to look like. And what is the scariest part? That God's not going to be part of our culture. Okay, if there's one thing that you're scared of (laughs) most right now, what are you scared of most? (laughs) No, it's only for scary. It's the scariest people, is no mask. It's, it's only that. When well, people yeah. have no mask? Uh-huh. No mask, no. Like me right now? No, you right now. No, it's only the people, the last people. And so, what people yeah. aren't wearing masks? Yeah, never masks. No not use of masks. Yeah, no use of gloves. No use of the sanitizer, whatever. It's scary for, for my people. For the workers? Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. By the way, that was the guy working at the taco shack when I was driving through the other day. And though I was not wearing a mask, there was a a healthy distance between us. I also asked my daughter, my four-year-old daughter, Adeline, what she was most scared of. I'll let you listen in. If there's one thing that you're scared of, what are you scared of most? Monsters. Monsters? Yeah. What are you afraid might happen? Uh, they kill me. They would kill you? Yeah, eat me. Have you ever seen a monster? No. I just feel like one is here. Just feel like one's here. The truth is, we're all fighting different monsters. We're all pretty sure that something is around the corner waiting to take us out none of us are exempt from this feeling, though we experience different levels of it. So know that you're not alone. And I want to make the argument that we don't have to make what we fear go away in order to continue to flourish as people and to continue to move towards being the person we each want to become and to making the world a better place for everyone. But before we talk more about that, Let's first talk about the function of fear, or I'd like to say the gift of fear. I want you to know that fear is a biological response that our body has when it senses real or perceived threat. Fear is helpful and it's beautiful and it's meant to help us survive and do what's necessary to stay alive. Fear actually tells our bodies to do everything you need to do in order to preserve yourself, whether there is or is not an actual threat to to our lives. So when your brain registers that something in your environment seems threatening, it sends a signal to your body. It's fascinating. Immediately, your heart starts moving more oxygen into your blood so you can jump higher and run faster and fight harder Essentially, it's, it's giving you all the tools and best chances of survival. Now, what each person experiences as threatening is actually completely unique to that person. As you heard in the interviews, everybody's scared of a different monster. So one scenario will send one person into a tailspin of anxiety while the same situation hardly affects another. So for me, I love I love bugs and lizards, like I, I always have, um, but there's a friend of mine who's deathly afraid of them. Her brain and body just registers them as, as threatening, like she's going to die if she gets around them. So we each have very unique things that make us feel unsafe, and that's okay. That's totally normal. Fear is something that wants to drive us into action, or... It can make us want to ball up and hide in a corner. So you can think about your own reaction. Does it make you want to do something in the world or to fight something, or does it make you want to get small and kind of hide? And maybe both. Unfortunately, when our fear is heightened and we are more stressed, we also lose access to the parts of our brain that help us make rational decisions. We lose access to the parts of our brain that help us think logically, to be creative, to communicate effectively, to be connected to other people. So in short, when fear hits and takes over, it's actually not very good at making helpful, constructive decisions in our daily life. It does not help us advocate well for the things that we want to change in the world. So yeah, you you can't really get rid of your fear. It's hardwired into you. But the good news is that you can learn to live above it. You can learn and practice to get higher than your fear. One of my favorite quotes is from a psychiatrist who was a prisoner in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. And he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And it was about how he found hope and meaning in the most horrific circumstances that a human being could possibly find themselves in. So in the book, he says, between stimulus and response, I'm going to try that again. Between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth And our freedom. So what that means is that in between what happens and what our habitual reactions are, we have a space. We might not know that we have a space, but we do. And when we cultivate that space, we find much more freedom to make conscious choices that lead us further into the people we want to be into the places that we want to find ourselves in. To create space and move from merely surviving to thriving to blooming, you might say, we don't have to get rid of our fear. We, we don't have to cut off from it as so many of us want to. The key is to befriend it, to get to know it, to get eyeball to eyeball with it. And you do this by engaging it and getting curious about what happens when it shows up. You get to know this fear in the same way that you might get to know a person. So when it shows up, what is this character like? This fear? How does it see the world? What does it want? What's it trying to do for you when it shows up? And how does it try to drive you to behave? The moment you begin to observe fear in you, you've actually given yourself some distance from it, a little bit of separation from it, meaning you've nurtured that space we're talking about and can begin to see a little bit from a higher perspective than you could before. And here's the thing. That you start noticing when you get face to face with that that fear that rises. It tends to be a very one dimensional character. Fear has this way of missing the forest for the trees and it has no way of seeing the full picture. It sees in black and white, it sees in either or. It magnifies threat and, and tends to expect the worst case scenario. It catastrophizes the future. Why? Well, that's its purpose. Fear's only job is to keep you hyper vigilant so that you'll stay safe, so that you'll reduce your risk and ensure your survival. Fear is something that you can identify in your body as well. So, we're talking cerebrally about knowledge and what is fear. But what's helpful is to bring your body awareness into this because fear is actually a feeling. It's actually sensations that pass through you, and it's something that you can observe. So when you begin to notice how fear is showing up in your body and the sensations that accompany it, and you observe it without judging it or trying to make it go away, you've taken very crucial steps towards getting a bit more distance from it without being overwhelmed by it. By looking and observing You start waking up to the fact that you are not your fear. You simply experience certain sensations that you may label as fear that are moving through your body. So if you're in a good place to do so, I want to walk you through a little bit of an exercise. I I, want to encourage you to notice those sensations right now. Right now, we can practice. Practice. So you might even want to pause the podcast to really stop and consider what you fear most in this time. And now as you brought that up, as you brought up that thought, notice those sensations that all of a sudden appear in your body under your skin. What do you notice as you scan from head to toe? And now, how do you feel towards those sensations? What if those sensations that you feel right now were not actually bad? What if you didn't have to fight against feeling those sensations? What if when those sensations appear, you could detach from the story, they tend to want to attach to in your head. And simply acknowledge that fear is showing up. And to thank it for trying to protect you, to keep you safe, to look for the monster around the corner. And so when you practice this, what you're learning is how to create a new kind of relationship to fear. And what's so profound about doing this very intentional observation of your own fear is that you begin to realize that you are not the sensations of fear that run through your veins or the thoughts and story of fear that run through your mind. By observing it, you're learning to relate to fear in a whole new way, connecting with it from a higher viewpoint rather than avoiding it and letting it drive you as it sits underneath the surface. These sensations, they don't have to be something you fight against, but something that you can hold gently in a very calm, aware, and compassionate way. When you allow yourself to be scared, you actually lower your anxiety by taking out the internal fight against what's already there, what's already showing up. And immediately, you receive more peace. The fear tends to lessen in intensity when we bring that watchful, kind eye to it as it arises. It, it feels less of a need to kind of take control. When that happens, then you can be more of who you want to be and move in the world in more helpful and constructive ways. So in short, friends, you don't have to be fearless right now. You don't have to be fearless to bloom and to do great things in the world. I don't I don't think that's always possible. But the trick is to be in a better relationship to it. Take it with you. Let it be in your back seat without without letting it drive. And know that that doing this internal work that we're talking about today, that matters. What you do right now, it matters. You are not small. You influence every person you come in contact with on a day-to-day basis because we are all connected to each other. So when we change what's happening inside of us, it affects everyone we come in contact with in our daily lives. And that leads us to asking ourselves, what does this world need more of right now? And go and give that. Do the work inside of you so that you can bring it outside of you. As always, friends, thank you so much for listening, for just spending some time with me today. If you like what you heard and you want to catch more as we continue releasing episodes, I highly encourage you to subscribe so that you can get some updates when the new episodes drop. Until next time, grace and peace.